أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله تبارك وتعالى وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وبعد الحمد لله we've reached this Mubarak fifth night of Ramadan and Alhamdulillah, mashallah, the beauty of the Salat al-Taraweeh, the congregations being held in the masjid, the gathering of the Muslims, the experience of the first Jumu'ah of Ramadan, all these things are blessings from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah ta'ala keep them qa'im and da'im over our heads. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, keep us uh, consistent and present in the house of Allah Ta'ala in his Mubarak house and in these Mubarak gatherings again and again and give us from them the fuyud that we need to get through this life and the hereafter say Ameen we continue the narration uh, that Sayyidina Anas radiallahu ta'ala who narrates after the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam would complete his Fajr Salah the servants of the people of Medina would bring containers of water. Whoever presented a container, the Messenger of Allah would immerse his blessed hand in the water. This was done for the sake of its barakah, for its blessings. Sometimes the mornings were extremely cold. Nevertheless, he would still put his hand in the water. Uh, this is one of those things, mashallah, uh, the difference between uh, a person who is genuinely a person of love uh, versus a celebrity who's just uh, stoking their own ego i saw, saw my own ustadji Mawlana hassan allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect him and give him long life the students loved him so much that whenever he would come from a trip um, they would line up outside in order to meet him he would not leave until he shook everyone's hand the line for shaking hands would sometimes be an hour long Sometimes some of the goof uh, uh, students, they loved the uh, Ustadji so much, they would shake his hand and then get back in line. And, uh, you know, bully-like students like myself would pick them out and say, you already shook Ustadji's hand, stop wasting his time, get lost. But if Ustadji saw, he would say, Aziz, let them come back and let them, uh, let them shake hands again. Uh, and this was sometimes, you know, when he would come home at two at night, or he would come back from... The suffer of Hajj, uh, completely unrested, completely unrested. Wallahi, the manzir I saw with him one year when he came back from Hajj uh, was one of the most like ajib, wondrous things I've ever seen. That our madrasa is out in the village, and uh, there are literally mounds of dirt uh, um, between the gate and between the building. Um, because of you know stuff being moved around because of the agriculture, they used to actually grow their own wheat. Uh, we would eat the roti of uh, uh, of the wheat of the madrasa, uh, uh, one of the most tayyib and halal things I ever ate in my life. And uh, also because there's constructions, construction that there's uh, upwards to over a thousand students in the madrasa, so like 700 of them just thronged outside, um, and the car couldn't go any further, so it stopped by a mound. And uh, two of the, the senior students who were accustomed to serving the Ustad, um, they got out and they unfurled their, um, their, their uh, uh, shawls so as to form a shade. 
And Ustadji literally came and like people, uh, you know, on that mound, they were shaking hands. I was observing this entire uh, spectacle from a distance. And I thought, subhanAllah, they love him so much. And he loves them so much. I myself sat back in the madrasa and didn't want to go out there because I thought, for God's sakes, at least let him, you know, go rest, drink some water, use the restroom. You know what I mean? He'll come out and give bayan anyway. We'll all see him. But, uh, you know, there's something about real love when you have, especially for people who have like a childlike innocence inside of them, which uh, Ustadji had and the students had. These people grew up in villages, some of them. They're geniuses. I don't say that in order to uh, disparage them. Some of them really were geniuses. Their minds were unconvoluted and unpolluted with kind of the stupidities uh, and frivolities of city life. But they loved each other so much that they would do these things. And uh, Ustadji, I never saw him blink or complain. Uh, almost every other, even scholar of deen, I've seen when they get tired, they get really testy and they tell people to get lost. I've seen some of, many of our very famous ulama, they literally will announce nobody should come forward and uh, ask to shake hands. I mean, we think that we have rock star imams in America. Uh, nobody cares about deen over here. Uh, if you want to see who a real rock star scholar is, go to the Darul Islam. Uh, the people love the ulama so much. They have a, they have a love for them, which is, uh, you know, something I don't, I don't think people over here can or would understand. And uh, many of those ulama who reach that status, uh, literally there are announcements. Don't try to shake hands. Don't try to meet. Don't try to say anything. Don't try to ask any questions. Just let them come and go unimpeded. And I've seen uh, scholars turn down people. People have put their hands out and they like look at them and like shake their head like, no, I'm not going to shake your hand. Um, and that's reasonable because who's going to shake the hands with a thousand people? Staji used to shake hands with a thousand people. Literally, he would shake hands with a thousand people. And uh, he still does it to this day. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give him a long life. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give him a long life and protect him. He's uh, one of the wonders of the world. But the point is, is what, where did it come from? It's not him. It's, these are the fuyul of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That, uh, you, know, very, you know, very few of us can imagine the frigid cold of uh, Medina Munawwara. We think of the Arabian Peninsula as a really hot place, but when it gets cold in places like that, it gets really cold, and there's no heaters and there's no heated space. The cold gets to the bone, and people used to die from making wudu in that weather. Uh, there's uh, narrations about Sayyidina Amr bin As anhu being very apprehensive about making wudu uh, in a ghaz, in a, in a sariya one time uh, for that very reason. And here uh, it's mentioned that, 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 that who the most broken and humble people of Medina, the servants and the slaves of the houses would come and they would bring water for the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to bless. And uh, uh, these are people that you're not going to get any status from them. You're not going to get any money from them. You're not going to get political power from them. They don't have the skill or the wherewithal to be able to pick up weapons that they can make up your army. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to get anything from them. They're masakini. I mean, those are the people that like life had left behind and forgotten. Those are the people nobody cares for. But Allah Ta'ala cares for them. And the one who loves Allah Ta'ala will care for them. And so he would bless the water for them, even though it was extremely cold. Um, and uh, that's why everybody loves Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Sayyidina Anas who narrates that the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was not harsh in his disposition. Nor was he one who cursed. 
If someone had to be reprimanded, at most he would exclaim, what is the matter with him? May dust settle on his forehead, which is just in a figure of speech. It's not even literally that he was saying that. It's just a figure of speech in Arabic. Uh, 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 and like dust settling on someone's forehead is not even a harsh thing to happen. But it's just a figure of speech that he's just wondering what's wrong when a person did something wrong. This statement, may dust settle on his forehead, is not a curse. Even during Salat, dust settles on the forehead when in prostration simply by virtue of the head touching the earth. In a way, this was a dua for the betterment of the individual. It is implied that he attained rectification by the performance of the Salat, for Salat prevents evil and shameless deeds. This is one of the qualities and special qualities of Salat. Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiallahu ta'ala who narrates that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was more modest and more shy than a uh, virgin girl who was in seclusion and never went out to see the world. A young girl that, 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 that was in the seclusion of her house and knows nothing about the outside world. Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiallahu ta'ala who said when he saw sallallahu alayhi wa sallam something detestable we would notice it from the effect on his uh, Mubarak face that it would affect him like something disgusting that would happen or something that's like evil or something that's just bad or wrong we would notice it on his face he wasn't sallallahu alayhi wasallam like desensitized to things like all of us that we can see something disgusting happen like a thousand times and and it doesn't affect us or even worse yet we'll laugh about it or joke about it that it would affect him sallallahu alayhi wasallam that's how pure his um, his nature was Aswad radiallahu anhu narrates that he asked Sayyidina Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha umm al-mu'mineen What did the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam do at home? She replied he would assist his wives with their housework. Some examples of the type of housework done by the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam are mentioned in the following hadith. Sayyidina Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha narrates the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam would mend his shoes. He would sew his clothing and he would do the work of the houses ordinary people among you do. She also narrates that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, did not act like a master at home. Rather, he would go and milk the goats himself. Aisha anha narrates that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, never killed anyone with his own hands, nor did he ever beat a servant. Yes, jihad in the path of Allah Ta'ala was an exception. He never hit anyone in anger, nor inconvenienced anyone unnecessarily, nor took revenge for himself. However, when the commandments of Allah were violated, the Messenger of Allah وسلم, took appropriate actions for the sake of Allah Most High. Anas radiallahu ta'ala who narrates, I was eight years old when I joined the service of the Messenger of Allah I remained in his service for ten years. Whenever I damaged anything with my hands, the Messenger of Allah وسلم, did not scold me. Even if someone from the family of Rasulullah scolded me, he would prevent them and say, if it was meant to be, it would have happened. I remained in his service for 10 years whenever I damaged something with my hands. Rasulullah did not scold me Even if someone from the family of Rasulullah scolded me, he would prevent them and say, If it was meant to be, it would have happened. Meaning he would protect him from the blame of other people.
It's important to understand that these are the things that make true worth and value in a person. Look at the housework that's mentioned that he used to do, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He would mend his shoes and he would sew his clothing, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Which means what? That he's not out there buying something new every single time. Rather, he would consider anything Allah gave him to be a great blessing. And he would use it to its complete maximum ability. If it broke, he didn't look down on it as a curse on him, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Rather, he remembered that this is Allah Ta'ala's blessing. And out of love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he would keep using it, he would keep mending it, he would keep using it. Unlike us, Allah Ta'ala gives us so many things and we're always ungrateful for what we have. And because of that, we become petty and snippy with one another and jealous with one another. Over all of these things, they were all made to be garbage. The clothes that we're wearing, the houses that we live in, the cars that we drive, the phones that we use, all of them were programmed for obsolescence. They literally were made to become garbage. Nothing, they don't, people don't even make things anymore to last. Nobody makes anything out of quality anymore. People will buy like a $200 pair of jeans that's meant to rip in a certain way. Everyone knows that the car, when it's going to get a certain number of miles, it's garbage. The phones, mashallah, they program them to die even before the hardware dies. And yet we kill each other and hate each other for those things. And the sunnah of the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa fix it and keep, keep, keep going, fix it yourself, and don't consider it to be a curse. Rather, it's a blessing that you had it in the first place. Anas radiallahu ta'ala who narrates that the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa visited the sick and participated in people's funerals and janazas. When people die, nobody knows who half the people who die in the masjid. I myself have been imam. So many bodies I've washed with my own hands. So many janazas I've done. You know, the janazas of the pious, the janazas of the impious, the janazas that are weird, the burials. I filled graveyards up with my own hands. Mashallah. And most of the people, nobody knows who they are. Except for their own loved ones, they're just a couple of people. Some of them you don't never, you never even seen them before. Anas radiallahu anhu narrates that the Messenger of Allah visited the sick and participated in funeral services. We should do this as well. We should do this as well in order to honor the one who Allah Ta'ala honored with La ilaha illallah. The Messenger of Allah would not withdraw his hand before another person withdrew his. I mean, he was shaking hands and things like that. He wasn't too cool for school. Rather, he, he considered when someone gave his uh, hand to the Prophet ﷺ, Rasulullah ﷺ also gave his Mubarak hand, and he didn't uh, pull his hand back as if to say, like, okay, you've had enough. But he would value the person whose hand he was shaking as well. That he would not withdraw his hand before the other person withdrew his. Nor would he turn his face until the other person turned his face away. The Messenger of Allah ﷺ was never seen stretching his legs toward others. This is considered an insult in ancient uh, society, uh, or at least a sign of uh, being higher in hierarchy with somebody, that you could stretch your legs in front of them or toward them. The Rasul ﷺ treated people as if they were higher in the hierarchy than them, even though there's no uh, star in the sky or angel in heaven that has a, a higher position than the Messenger of Allah ﷺ. The only one whose maqam is higher than his is the one who created him, Jalla wa'ala. 
But he used to treat people as if they were better than him. He used to honor people. The thing is, this is one of those things. We live in a society. We live in a time and place. Everybody treats each other like garbage. People treat each other like crap. Sometimes just a little bit of, uh, of, of, of ikram, of honoring another person. Muslim, kafir, whatever their color, whatever their race, whatever their socioeconomic status, whatever. Just a little bit of ikram. Sometimes it hits people like at a pressure point. They don't even know. They'll be intoxicated by it. They will not know what to do with it. Only the worst and most foul of mutakabiri and the worst and most foul of the arrogant are impervious to a person's kindness to them. Most people are not like that. Most people have some human goodness inside of them. If you're good to them, they have no uh, choice except for to be good back to you. Why? Because this is one of, one of the things of hikmah that everybody is. insanu jubbila ala hubbi man ahsan ilayhi. It's just the... The, the, the inner, innate nature of a human being that they, ha- they have to love the one who's good to them. In the Shamal of Tirmidhi, there are two na- lengthy narrations. Parts will be quoted here. Hassan and Hussein radiallahu anhumah wa alayhim salam narrate on the authority of his father, Sayyidina Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu wa karramallahu wajahu wa alayhi salam. When at home, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam divided his time into three time periods. In one period, he remained engrossed in the worship of Allah Ta'ala. In the other, he engaged himself in fulfilling the rights of his family. And in the third period, he reserved for himself. This special period was then further divided between others and himself. The benefits and blessings of this special period were spread amongst the people at large through the medium of the special companions of the Messenger of Allah In this period, the Messenger of Allah granted certain distinguished companions, the ulama amongst the Sahaba anhum, permission to sit in his company, preferring the distinguished companions above others. He engaged this distinguished group in matters of deen and in the matters of the ummah and all who attended came with the motive of benefiting from the Messenger of Allah Beside the benefits of knowledge, beside the benefits of knowledge, they would also share meals with the Messenger of Allah when they departed from his company, they would leave as guides uh, of, the, of the deen. They would lead as guides uh, to mankind, uh, to the deen of Islam. This was the nature of the special and distinguished gatherings of the Messenger of Allah Regarding the time that the Messenger of Allah spent outside the home, Sayyidina Hassan and Sayyidina Hussain radiallahu anhumah narrated on the authority of their father Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhum that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, was at all times pleasant and smiling. People would not quarrel in his presence. The Messenger of Allah وسلم, did not speak until the other speaker completed his thought and became silent. He overlooked the disrespect in conversations with strangers. When people would be disrespectful, he would overlook that. He did not interrupt a conversation unless it exceeded the bounds of propriety. He would then intervene and bring it to an end either by his express prohibition or by leaving the company. Again, like he wouldn't just get into it with people. This was his attitude with the general public, with those uh, with whom he had connections, the companions radiallahu anhum. Now we will mention some points regarding his attitude with his enemies. Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu narrates that once someone asked the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, O Messenger of Allah, Cursed the, the mushrikeen, the polytheists. 
The Messenger of Allah وسلم, said, I was not sent as one who curses, rather I was sent only as mercy. Rasulullah وسلم's Mubarak habit was even to make dua to Allah for the well-being of his enemies. Occasionally he would ask Allah for protection against his enemies. In a lengthy hadith narrated by Sayyidina Aisha regarding the incident of Ta'if, the Messenger of Allah وسلم, referred to the torture of the kuffar on this occasion to have been more severe than the hardship that he suffered during the Battle of Uhud. On this occasion, Jibreel introduced the Messenger of Allah وسلم, to the angel in charge of the mountains. The angel greeted the Messenger of Allah وسلم, said, and said, O Muhammad, I am the angel of the mountains. Allah has sent me to you so that you may command me. If you command, I will crush the people of Ta'if between these two mountains. The Messenger of Allah وسلم, replied, No. I hope that Allah will create from amongst them such men who will worship Allah alone and associate none like him, none with him. Even at a time like this, the Messenger of Allah وسلم, never thought of revenge. He only had to give the order and his enemies would have been destroyed. Instead, he chose to forgive them and make dua on their behalf. He confronted even his opponents with kindness and concern. This is a very interesting story. I know the crooked and twisted way that modern people think. It's just a story. It's just a tall tale. There's no angel. It's just made up. Well, guess what? A day came when the companions, radiallahu anhum, overwhelmed Makkah Mukarramah and he still forgave them. And a day came when the companions overwhelmed Ta'if. And if there are any people who deserve to be uh, cut down where they stood, and their houses burned and their earth salted, it was the people of Ta'if. And he, he forgave them. They entered into the deen. SubhanAllah, mashallah. You know the people of Medina Munawwara, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala raised the maqam of the Ansar. They accepted the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa and they established Islam with the the swords of the uh, the tribes of the Arabs breaking on their on their on their bodies. The people of Taif drove the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa out of out of uh, their city, and still he was kind and merciful to them. Mashallah, a couple of years ago in Hajj, Mashallah, we had a weird Subway sandwich, which was just Subway wheat bread and salted Arab cheese. And jalapenos, and that's it. Uh, I guess if you put uh, uh, mayonnaise in a sandwich in uh, in Arafat, it's probably going to cause food poisoning. Uh, or in Mina, it's going to cause food poisoning. And the box said it's made from the subway in Taif. And uh, I thought, Subhanallah, look at the uh, look at the rahmah of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam's that at least Taif gets to feed the Hajjaj. If they had any sense in them, they would have been Medina. <coughs> but the rahmah of Allah Ta'ala touches everybody, those who deserve and those who don't deserve. Otherwise, people would have been singing Ya Ta'if instead of Ya Ta'iba. If you command, I will crush the people of Ta'if between these two mountains. The Messenger of Allah وسلم, replied, no, I hope that Allah will create from amongst them such men who will worship Allah alone and associate none other with Him. Even at this time, or times like this, the Messenger of Allah never thought of revenge. 
He only had to give the order and his enemies would have been destroyed. Instead, he chose to forgive them and make dua on their behalf. He confronted even his opponents with kindness and concern. In a lengthy hadith, Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhu narrates an incident about a Jew who at the time was a subject of the Muslim state in Medina. The, mess- the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi owed the Jew some money. And Rasulullah would do this. He would go out and he would borrow money. When he needed to borrow money, he would borrow it from the Jews because he knew the Muslims would have just given it to him. And because he didn't want to be an imposition on someone, he would go and borrow from the Jews because he knew that they wouldn't forgive his debts. They would expect him to pay him back. And they wouldn't be lenient in that payback. In demanding money, he refused to allow the Messenger of Allah وسلم, to go home. Meaning that the, the, the debt, uh, even though it wasn't due, he said, I want, I want you to fulfill the debt now. And he uh, got on him uh, so uh, harshly that he refused to let him go home. He blockaded the Messenger of Allah وسلم, in the masjid from Zuhr until Fajr the next day. When people started to remonstrate uh, 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 with the Jew, the Messenger of Allah وسلم, prevented them and said, Allah has forbidden me to be unjust with those uh, with whom I have a treaty and with those with whom I have no treaty. Later in that day, the Jew proclaimed, I bear witness that there is no God except for Allah and I bear witness that verily you, you Muhammad, are the messenger of Allah. He went, to say, on, he went on to say, I adopted this attitude toward the messenger of Allah وسلم, because in the Torah, the description of a prophet is given. The Torah describes that a prophet like Muhammad, the son of Abdullah, uh, والسلام, that his birthplace will be Mecca and his place of migration will be Medina. His kingdom will be over the land of Sham and he will not be harsh. He will not be loud in the marketplaces, nor will he commit acts of immodesty. I wish to ascertain whether this man is indeed the Muhammad who is stated in the Torah. And we know, mashallah, those people who have knowledge of the Torah, that the name of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, maybe perhaps not in the the the, the uh, the, the Torah proper, but the Torah, the ex- expression Torah in Arabic is the entire Tanakh, that we know that the name of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is, uh, it appears there uh, letter by letter. Sayyidina Hazrat Hakim al-Ummah, Hazrat Tanwi rahimahullah ta'ala comments, if these few hadiths are read once daily, one will soon realize the change toward piety, which will overcome one. Hazrat Tanwi rahimahullah ta'ala said, Following his sunnah sallallahu alayhi wasallam means to adopt those actions and quality qualities of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam had which were continuous, intentional, and willfully done. These actions should become one's continuous and intentional habit. They should become one's predominant nature, one's natural disposition. As for those actions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam that were occasional and incidental, those qualities and actions should also be implemented and adopted occasionally when the need arises. Meaning, don't just say this one thing is a sunnah and look, I follow the sunnah. Look at those things that are uh, continuous and make them continuous in your life. And then look at those things that, uh, uh, that are occasional and also make them occasional in, in your life. Uh, enough was read today. Enough was read today to suffice a lifetime of reflection and a lifetime of appreciation. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala... Despite our own selves and despite our own hard hearts, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the blessing that this Mubarak Sunnah should enter into our lives and make us people better than who we are and fill our hearts with light and fill our eyes and our ears with light and fill our 
days with light and our nights with light and fill our life with light and fill our graves with light and fill our uh, book of deeds with light and give us a maqam forever and ever with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala nur samawati wal ard and with his rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam who he sent not except for as a mercy to mankind wa sallallahu tabaraka wa ta'ala wa sallama ala sayyidina muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in wa assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu